What's up? This is Parker Jameson from the band Starkill. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. This is Brittany Slays from Unleash the Archers. Hey, guys, this is Stu from Death Dealer. This is Vicky Sarakis from The Agonist, and you're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Podcast listeners, welcome back to the show for another Metal Artist interview. I'm so pleased to be joined by Simon from Canadian Metal Veterans, Order of Chaos. Simon, thanks so much for coming on The Great Metal Debate. Hey, thank you for having me. Now, I've been a fan of you all since the release of 2011's Burn These Dreams, but for folks who aren't familiar with the Order of Chaos, can you give us a thumbnail sketch of how the band came to be? Uh, I started the band when I was in university. Um, geez, like 2004, I believe. Um, you know, I used to just play Metallica and Megadeth covers for fun, and um, I had a whole bunch of gaffes in between classes at uh, university, and so I used to bring my guitar to school and started just kind of writing my own music and, you know, thought, hey, it'd be pretty cool to, to do this with an ensemble of members rather than, you know, by myself in my car in the cafeteria or whatever at school, so... Uh, you know, started with that and then uh, ended up meeting, you know, some people who are now some of my best friends in the world uh, just by, you know, by chance and started jamming with them. And um, I mean, here we are, oh, geez, like 16 years later, I guess, from, you know, the initial inception, quote unquote. And so was there a particular sound you had in mind when you that you were trying to create when you first got together and began jamming with those friends? Not really. I think the sound, you know, sort of evolved um, both as, you know, I improved as a musician and then, you know, other people that were involved in the writing process evolved as musicians. And, you know, it also kind of matures with your own listening or taste in, in the kind of music you listen to as well. Um, but there was no, you know, premeditated way to sound or, anything like that and you know in some cases in the business side of things that can be detrimental right because it makes it hard for labels to to market you and you don't have a sound that sounds like anything but you know we always maintained that we wanted to sound unique without trying to you know force ourselves to sound unique if that makes sense um you know just to write music from the heart with riffs we all thought were good and um you know if that fits you know the order of chaos profile then great um but i mean as you can see on burn these dreams you've got you know one song uh guns in order is a perfect example amanda hates that song but uh it's sort of a bluesy rock thing we wrote it as a joke right we just say what the hell put it on the album and then you know you've got burn these dreams of chaos and cairo which are like you know the polar opposite of that song so you know, that's kind of what the order of chaos has always been about just not having any limits to what we sound like or you know what we put out there and was there a particular artist that inspired you to pick up the guitar or did that come from a family member or what, what got you going in that musical direction? Uh, I'm old enough, you know, Guns N' Roses was, uh, for me as a kid, you know, watching 
watching GNR videos on on Much Music back in the day, and uh, Slash's solos, you know, probably the first thing that inspired me. I think I heard Appetite for Destruction. I was like eight years old, and I uh, was floored from there. And um, I think you can hear some of that in my soloing a little bit, maybe. Um, you know, then from there it spiraled into, you know, Metallica. And my aunt gave me Injustice for All, and it had Slick Toxic as a B side, I think, and then. Uh, Megadeth. I had a, a friend, literally in grade six, who had uh, "So Far So Good, So What" and "Rust in Peace" on tape. I think it was, and we would just, you know, play video games and, and listen to Megadeth. In grade six, grade seven, and so you know, from there, you know, Pantera, Sound Ozzy. Then you start to go back and find Maiden and Sabbath, and you know, some of the forefathers of shred. Uh, you know, that kind of evolved later in my 20s into, you know, more extreme stuff. European scenes started to have more influences, social media and, and the internet came to, you know, we started to become aware of all these crazy Finnish bands like, you know, Children of Bodom and Nightwish and Snot Arctica and it's Demi Borger. And, you know, then it spiraled into extreme death metal like Necrophages. I mean, it's, but yeah, it all began, all began with, uh, with Guns N' Roses. Well, cheers to your metal aunt who set you uh, in part down the path. Oh, that's awesome that uh, you had a family member who encouraged you in that way. Yeah, my aunt was a harsh headbanger. <laughs> that's great. Now, you guys have shared the stage with some big names in the past, including tours of Europe with Hellstar and Battle Beast. What have those experiences been like, and have they shaped your musical direction at all? Those experiences were amazing. Um, just learned so much about the industry and, and what it takes. And, um, you know, it was an opportunity to see the world from a, a perspective that the average person, you know, wouldn't get to going on holidays, which was great. Um, you know, as far as the musical side of things, I think, you know, it could have influenced how we started to focus on music just in terms of how we saw the crowds respond to certain songs of the headliners and, and, you know, really good headliners are great at creating, you know, movement, not only in, in their songs, but in the, in the set list, right. You've got highs and lows and they're deliberately placed there for a, an effect on the audience. So you start to become conscious of that. And then, you know, it does translate when you're writing, writing music, uh, you know, you're trying to think about what would, give the listener the most enjoyable live experience uh, and try to balance that obviously with your own taste and freedom of expression. Um, you, know, you learn how to drink when you, when you party with the fins, like battle beasts, you learn how to, how to hold your liquor down. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've had those folks on the podcast. They're, uh, they're awesome folks. Um, and, and what about the experience in Europe? Compare if you would, the European metal fans and scene to what we have over in North America? Uh, maybe a little more diehard and not in the sense that they, you know, like metal more than anyone else. It's more, you know, I haven't seen too often in North America where there's, you know, people that I've, I've never met or I'm not connected on Facebook show up, you know, as the bus is arriving or the van's arriving and they've got, you know, your childhood hockey photo printed and they want you to sign it or, you know, it's little, little nuances like that. I think, you know, the, 
people love metal across the world and you know every everywhere you go the audiences are all amazing in their unique way i, I think in europe the, there's more of an establishment around touring um you know obviously the it helps that the cities aren't so far apart and it's much more populated which you know the market is is obviously a little bit better from a cost effectiveness standpoint but you know there, there's a system or an infrastructure where you know you get to the next town the venues have showers and there's catering and you know there's um all the facilities to make the band feel at at home whereas you know north america depending on you know the size of tour you're doing you're doing you may be sleeping in the van and you know going to mcdonald's for for days on end and and that infrastructure is not really really there to support the the touring acts as much also the distances of travel is pretty uh you know in canada especially is extreme just to get to, to Vancouver from Edmonton where we live is, you know, 12 hours if there's not a snowstorm. So, um, you know, there's, there's good and bad to both, but the fans are, are the same, you know, they're all passionate everywhere, everywhere you go. That's awesome. Now, the Order of Chaos has a new album coming out entitled Maniacal. How long has the material for this album been in the works? Um, I think the... The song we wrote first, Believe in the Demon, which was the second single we, we just released, um, I think that one's going on, you know, two and a half years from when the initial idea came out. Um, so, you know, over the last two to three years, I would say that stuff's been been in process. And I noticed that you didn't include any of the uh, songs off your last EP, something you've done in the past. Was that an attempt to make a particular break from the material at that time? You know, I, I kind of wanted to. Um, we did that with Sex Witch and Victim of Circumstance. Like we actually had a Sex Witch 7-inch, uh, and then we released those songs. We recorded them on Apocalypse Moon. We, we talked about it, but there was you know enough of a space between when Night Terror came out and when we were thinking of releasing Maniacal. And, you know, the band had changed, and... and um, you know, even the sound to some extent. And so, you know, we thought we'd just let the those three songs off the EP kind of have their own place. And um, especially with the digital age where they're still available online and people may not be buying the whole disc, we thought it made more sense to just, you know, give them some brand new content and not kind of duplicate things we'd already done. Also, you know, there's a cost for mixing and, and production and, and personnel and whatnot. So, you know, you're recording two extra songs. That's either money you could spend to record two new songs or to put into publicity or videos or other things. Or new guitars or beer. Hey, as a fan, I'm happy to get more new songs. That's awesome. Now, you all have already released a couple of lyric videos from the album for the songs Breakpoint and Believe in the Demon. Tell us a little bit about those two tracks. Uh, so Breakpoint, um, well, first off, I'll start. Maybe some of the listeners aren't aware, but I've actually um, I've stepped away from the band uh, for the time being. Um, the others, of course, have my blessing to continue. I, lo- I love those guys with all my heart, and you know, I hope they keep things going. Uh, so Breakpoint's kind of, you know, an expression of, of some of that, that turmoil of me knowing that, like, you know, I had to step away for, for reasons and, and kind of, you know, Amanda 
uh, had some thoughts going on. And, and so we were able to, to put that into song. And I think what's, what's amazing, you know, that's one of my favorite songs we've ever written. I think it, it captures uh, perfectly kind of the, the timeline of the band or the, or the current, you know, age of the band and, and uh, with me, you know, departing and some of the sentiments around that, I think, uh, you know, that, that's what that song's, uh, an expression of it. Of course, it could be applied to you know anybody's individual experiences. I mean, you all kind of reach a point where where you have to move on from things, or you know, life throws a curveball your way, um, where you have to you know make changes that or sacrifice right to kind of preserve yourself or to ensure that like you're in the best position for the future. And and so you know that's what that that song's about basically. I uh, believe in the demon is sort of about mental illness and like the prevalence of it in society and, and um, you know, like everyone's got some kind of voice in their head, you know, whether good or bad, there's, you know, you're something on your conscience or, or, you know, you're split at, at a fork in the road to make an important decision. And one side of you wants to make the bad decision. The other side wants to, to make, you know, the good decision. And, and so, you know, those, those things can, you know, pull at pull at people's heartstrings and, and, and you know drag them into to dark places or, or to positive places, right? I mean the voice in your head can be a good thing too. So uh, at least that's what I gathered from, from Amanda working on it. That was kinda of what uh when we discussed, you know, what is that song about? That was sort of what she mentioned. Um and can you and again it's us- another Oh go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, like, you know, when we try to write music, we, we try to take personal experience and personal expressions, and hopefully the fans relate to the lyrics. Like, we, we're really, when we write music, we want the fans to, to relate to the lyrics. We think you know, the lyrics are important, and that people can, you know, listen to them and maybe think of how they apply to their own individual experiences. Well, I've had a chance to hear those two songs, plus a couple of other tracks off Maniacal, um, as someone who's listened to your entire back catalog, if anything, it seems to me the band is moving in an even heavier, more aggressive direction musically. Is that a fair statement, or you know, what, what, where do you think uh, the 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 band is heading with this new album? Uh, yeah, I think some of the feedback, um, you know, we we discussed and given each other was that you know we wanted to to go heavier, but still keep some of the catchy sensibilities and, and the uniqueness of the sound. And so, you know, part of it too is the production um, is a little bit heavier. Uh, we took more time up front to make sure we had the tones we wanted and guitar configurations. And there was a lot more pre-production that went into to this album as well uh, with the goal of having it, you know, translate into to bigger, louder, heavier sounds. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, just the ebb and flow of being in a band you know the this album got a little bit you know heavier but who's to say the next one won't you know just be full of ballads or or something right or an acoustic perhaps yeah or just you know re-record the first album even i don't even think we can i don't think we have a single copy of that one left <laughs> well you mentioned... I don't think the masters even exist for that one You've mentioned uh, Amanda, and let's talk a bit about the rest of the band. Your fellow guitarist is John Satterley. 
what does he bring to the table as an artist and how has his style complemented your own uh, in this album? Yeah, so John's uh, from a band called Skepsis. Uh, he's recently kind of reincarnated that band as well. And uh, he's an uh, amazing guitar player, one of the, the tightest, like, picking hands I've ever seen. It's hard to, to keep up with it. It's just so in precise time. And he thinks music very linear. Like, I tend to think in blocks and more in 4-4 four, four and 6-8 and stuff. But he thinks music, you know, in a very linear way, which... Um, you know, when I'm writing, keeps me on my toes because he might hear something, you know, totally different that'll take the song down like a new exciting path. And, um, you know, I can always write a guitar solo if there's a dual solo section. I know, like, before he even gets into it, that he's going to write the perfect complementary part to that. Um, yeah, he, I can't say enough about the guy. He's, uh, he's a solid human, amazing guitar player, uh, really positive aspect of the band. Like, um, you know, he's always just in a good mood and, you know, one of those guys that, you know, every band needs, to be honest. Um, it's like, yeah, I can't say enough about him. Uh, his playing, I mean, Skepsis, uh, I, I'm not playing in Skepsis anymore either. I, ended up with elbow tendonitis uh, from it. Like, you know, as I age, I can't play the technical metal as well as I used to without getting some pain in my arms. So, uh, you know, he'll write a riff that'll cause your, your arm to explode. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's just a phenomenal guitar player. I mean, it's kind of interesting, too, because it, it highlights the difference in, in generation. I mean, he's, you know, early 30s. I'm late 30s. I grew up on, you know, the 80s scene you know a little bit more whereas he he was playing necrophages and children of bodom riffs when he was like 16 so he had that you know technical ability up front and then you know our generation wasn't recording in pro tools whereas his was like the forefront of garage band and understanding where the click relates to the, the grid and and being able to put your uh your playing under a microscope at, at such a young age right and now you hear him and uh i mean yeah he's just such a stellar player i've been you know, blessed to have uh, someone like that by my side for so many years. And uh... and on vocals, you have Amanda Kiernan. What what does it do for a band to have a, a vocalist who can both sing the cleans and go down in the, the death metal growls as well? Oh, it's great because it doesn't put a limit on anything. You can, you know, switch from you know, really catchy, hooky, clean chorus, just right to, to, you know, gutturals. And having that option is, is awesome as a, as a songwriter for me, because I don't have to, you know, hold back anywhere. Uh, and there's always two sides to every coin. Like if you don't like the part screamed, you can say, Hey, sing it clean. It's not an issue to get, to get takes. So, um, yeah, her, her voice has matured a lot. Um, it's great to see like kind of I've watched her, you know, since she was seventeen and she's, you know, got this multi dimensional approach now and you know, really proud of her. And then your rhythm section? Yeah, so uh Jonathan Webster, who's now uh drumming in Striker, uh he joined the band around a year ago, a little year and a half ago I guess. And yeah, so he, he did the drums on the album 
and uh, his old roommate and best friend and, and bass player in Tyler Dory Trio, uh, which is another amazing band to check mm-hmm. out. If you, you know, prog heads out there, Tyler yes. Dory Trio is like up yes. top, right? So, uh, yeah, Slava Fedosenko did the bass on it. I thought it would just be a natural thing to have, uh, you know, two guys that have played together for so long and, um, you know, just as a, a rhythm foundation, you know, for this whole album. And it seemed to have turned out really good. I, you know, the, the sound is great. I'm, I'm really digging where the rhythm section is on this album. Yeah, I thought if anything, it was maybe even a little tighter than you've had on past albums. Just a little more, a little more consistent on that uh, on that rhythm. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that's a function again of, of a previous question. That when you start watching the big bands and how they sound live and why they sound the way they sound live. And, you know, it comes down to making sure every note is deliberate, right? It's not so much that you're, you got to hold back from the riff. It's just, you know, maybe there's uh, some extra noise in between notes that doesn't need to be there or even simplifying. I mean, as metal guitar players, we just want to shred, you know, 24 seven, 30 second notes, like as fast and as aggressive as possible at all times. And, you know, sometimes just by, adding space you can you know change an entire part and i think that comes with you know maturing as a a songwriter as well you start to listen for that space in between notes a little more so beginning to wrap up with you simon what are the band's plans leading up to the release of maniacal and do you have plans to have an album release show so yeah, that question's come up a bit. Um, you can get Maniacal now on our Bandcamp. I've put it up. Um, and as far as the CD release show moving forward, that if that happens, I'd be up to the guys. Um, you know, they have my blessing to do that uh, and continue on. Um, I can't be a part of it for the time being. Um, but there's some exciting news because uh, Killer Metal Records is going to release this version possibly on vinyl as well uh and there'll be a formal like european package with the lyrics and and like proper jewel case whereas what i had done on a limited edition run was just a hundred in a sleeve just so i could send them out to friends and family and you know a couple of our, our tighter fans you know emailed me about them immediately and they've since you know basically all sold but um yeah there's going to be a formal uh, like worldwide distribution type thing uh, coming coming soon so you know that might correlate with the release party uh the timing of that because then you know uh the band would be aligned to go on tour potentially well that's killer uh, again great material yeah so much this. is up in the air yeah oh gotcha. you know when founding founding member walks away it makes things tough right there's a lot that's got to go into you know, a handoff if they want to continue and uh you know if the decision's made that the band is just gonna cement its you know legacy where it is then um you know i think that's okay too so so kind of what are your thoughts looking back on that legacy if if at the time you founded the order of chaos you had been able to look in the looking glass and and see all that you've accomplished with these um, eps the full-length releases the the tours uh what what would your thoughts have been do you do you consider it a success in, in hindsight? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I've had a few months now to, to really reflect on, on things and uh, I'm really proud, you know, met some of the most amazing people uh, through the process and got to shred with, with great musicians and, you know, it opened up some other opportunities for me. Uh, you know, I, I think the one thing if I had a regret of it all, um, you know, this is probably the best advice I never took was, um, uh, you know, because I'm really focused on on the destination. You know, I want to make sure the steps are in place and really work hard and and my pl- you know practice my playing all the time, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you kind of lose focus, uh, you know, of the the ride. So uh, maybe to focus more on the journey and less on you know the destination because I mean there is no destination. It's, it's music. It's you know touring. It can go on forever. Uh, it's you know. That's probably something in hindsight I wish I'd, I'd focus more on just enjoying the, the small moments. Um, but, you know, I have so much to be proud about and proud of, of everyone involved and super grateful for anybody who, who's, you know, been a part of, of the Order of Chaos over the years. And uh, Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, to, you know, it's a huge part of my life and nothing but uh, positive feelings about it moving forward. Well, I'm a huge fan of all that you've done, and so if you don't mind, remind our listeners what the best way is to purchase music and merchandise from the Order of Chaos. So yeah, not not Spotify at seven one millionth of a cent per play <laughs> or whatever. I mean, you know, I, I'm just happy if people if people listen to it. So you know, whatever's most convenient for you, that's where you should get it. I think more of the money goes to the band when you you know buy albums directly. Uh, either through uh, the online store at Big Cartel or Bandcamp uh, is easy because, you know, there's a fee that's charged and, and that's it. And the money ends up in the band account. So, uh, or of course, coming out to the shows uh, is, is a good thing too. You know, obviously buy the merch there, but uh, for the, the new album, Maniacal, I'd say, you know, Bandcamp is the best bet at this point. Uh, and then look on, you know, the social medias for uh, a future release on Killer Metal Records, which uh, I think it's in process right now. So it could be out in a few months, potentially. Well, I encourage metal fans to do just that. The Orb of Chaos is an amazing band. You guys have put out such a great back catalog. And, man, you if, if, this, is, if this is your legacy, it's one to be proud of. Um, I, I'm a huge fan, and, and uh, you have definitely major mark uh, over the past decade plus. Simon, it's been a real honor to speak with you and best of luck to you in the future. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the kind work. And thanks to all the listeners out there and everyone for their support. Thank you.